Welcome to the Outthinker Podcast. Each week, we talk with forward-looking strategists and innovators that are challenging the status quo, leading the future of business, and shaping our world. I'm your host, Kyan Krippendorf, founder of the Outthinker Strategy Network. Whitney Johnson is the CEO of human capital consultancy, WLJ Advisors, an Inc. 5000 2020 fastest growing private company in America. She is an expert at helping high growth organizations develop high growth individuals. And she's recognized as one of the 50 leading business thinkers in the world, number 14 as ranked by Thinkers 50. Having worked at Fortune 100 companies, been an award-winning equity analyst in Wall Street, and invested with Harvard's Clayton Christensen, and coached alongside with renowned Marshall Goldsmith, Whitney understands how companies work, how investors think, and how the best coaches coach, all of which she brings to her work in coaching CEOs and C-suite executives. Whitney works with high-growth venture-backed startups and Fortune 100 companies across a variety of sectors, including consumer goods, technology, higher education, and financial services. In 2017, she was selected from more than 16,000 candidates as a top 15 coach by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. She's an award-winning author of three books, world-class keynote speaker, and frequent lecturer for Harvard Business School's corporate learning. She is also a popular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. And get this, she has 1.8 million followers on LinkedIn. She was selected as a top voice in 2018 on LinkedIn, and her course on fundamentals of entrepreneurship has been viewed by more than 1 million people. Whitney Johnson joined us last year in this podcast as a guest, and she introduced us to how the S-curve or the adoption curve can be applied to yourself and your career. But in her book so far, the S-curve was sort of a supporting character. Now, in her new book, Smart Growth, she puts the S-curve front and center and lays out with remarkable precision and clarity the milestones along that S-curve. In this podcast, she points out that without landmarks, people literally walk around in circles. She provides us a map of six landmarks that you can use to help you avoid walking around in circles in your career. She talks about how to know if you have plateaued in your career or in your business and that it's time to get uncomfortable or find a new adventure. And then once you've found that new adventure, how to know if you are on the right next S-curve. It has been a thrill to get to know her and learn from her, and we are grateful to have her on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Whitney Johnson. Whitney, thank you so much for being here with us. It's great to have you take the time to share with us your content from your new book. Oh, Kaihan, I'm so happy to be here. So I have gotten so much out of reading your first two books, which have this S-curve in them. Tell me, why did you decide to write this third book? In the first two books, Disrupt Yourself and Build an A-Team, like you said, the S-curve was there. It was a supporting actor. It was in the background. And one of the things that happened as I was talking about applying it to individuals, applying it to teams, people would say to me, I want to talk about the S-curve. And I remember in particular, I had gone on Dan Pink's Pink Cast, and we were supposed to talk about build an A-team. And he said, no, let's talk about the S-curve. And that happened over and over again. And I realized this is really useful for people. Yes, I can talk about disruption as a mechanism for making progress, but the S-curve provides a map. It allows people to see the emotional arc of growth and a way to orient themselves. So I decided I needed to spend an entire book focusing 
just on this. It needed to no longer be the backup singer. It needed to be the lead singer. So let me pull a little bit on that map metaphor and that smart metaphor that you used to name the book. If you just unpack that a little bit, because I think it's really profound to know where I've come, where I am and what's coming next versus wandering around in the forest. Yeah. So the idea is that, especially coming out of the pandemic, we all want to grow. Psychologists call it a period of post-traumatic growth. And so we're saying, I want to grow. I'm ready to grow. I know that to grow my company, I need to grow myself, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. And I certainly don't want to walk in circles, which by the way, is a real thing. The Planck Institute did a study and people without landmarks literally do walk in circles in loops as tight as 20 meters. And so we can think, all right, I'm going to grow. But if we don't have a map, we don't have a plan to orient ourselves, we can walk in circles. And so what the S-curve does is it allows you to say, all right, I'm ready to grow. Not quite sure how to do it. I need to orient myself. And now you've got this very simple visual model that helps you understand what it looks like. And let me just review it very quickly. Whenever you start something new, you are at the base of the S and it's basically a horizontal line. And that base of that S is what I call the launch point. And what's happening at the base is your brain is running a predictive model and it has this hypothesis about what is it going to take for me to get to the top of that curve. A lot of those predictions are going to be incorrect. And so your dopamine is going to drop. The other thing that's happening at the launch point is you're in new territory. Think about it being at the base of a mountain and you haven't sussed out where you are. So your brain is making all these memories that takes a lot of cognitive capacity. It's exhausting. And you have identity questions of who am I if I'm not who I was on that other S-curve, on that other mountain? So you have this experience at the launch point of it being exhausting and overwhelming and discouraging. It's not that growth isn't happening, but because of all that's happening for you emotionally, growth feels very slow because it's not apparent yet. So that's the launch point. And when you understand that, then you can say, oh, so I'm trying something new and I want to give up because I feel uncomfortable and awkward and discouraged and overwhelmed, but this is just normal. I'm supposed to feel this way. So it doesn't become about your identity. I'm incompetent. I can't do this. I should just forget it. No, this is normal. Right. It becomes normal if you're thinking that you're on the S-curve. Right. If you have the map. So it's that emotional journey of growth. Okay. So that's the launch point. The experience is slow. You continue to run the model. As you run the model, you're going to continue to make predictions. Those predictions are going to be increasingly accurate. And as they're increasingly accurate, you're going to get these emotional upside surprises, lots and lots of dopamine. So it feels exhilarating. It feels thrilling. You feel like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. That's the steep, sleek back of the curve. And so growth in this place, it's fast and it feels fast. So now you have slow at the launch point, fast in the sweet spot, then you get to mastery. And what's happening in mastery? Your brain, the model, it's figured it out. You've run the program and you've got the answer. Ta-da! That is awesome, but there's not very much dopamine when that's happening. And so your brain looks around and says, well, I've seen all this before because I've mapped all of this. And so you're kind of bored And what happens here is that time seems to go really fast because there's nothing new to see because you're not making memories, but growth is actually very, very slow. And so your plateau, this top of the mountain can quickly become a precipice. And that is why when you get to the top of a curve, you can say to yourself, I'm really good at being a chief strategy officer and I feel like I can no longer keep doing it. I've got to shift something. 
That's because your brain is saying, give me more dopamine. And so effectively, what you've got along the S-curve is a dopamine management exercise where at the launch point, it's dropping in a sweet spot, it's spiking and a mastery, it's flattening out. And so you need more dopamine. So you jump to the bottom of a new S-curve. And so when you know all of that, the slow, fast, slow is how you grow. You can navigate this. You know where you are, you know what's next, you know what to expect, and you can plan for it. Yes. I just want to underscore something that you said was that time seems to go fast because you're not creating memories. I hadn't thought about that, that that's a way of thinking of time. Right. And that's why as we get older, time starts to go faster. And so it's one of the ways you can say to yourself, wow, time went by really fast. That's a signal to us that we need to do some more new things if we want time to slow down. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about those signals. So what are some of the signals, the indicators that you have plateaued at the mastery level and that it's time to step onto a new S-curve? Number one, you can just look at your time in role. If you've been doing the same thing for several years, no new projects, no team configuration, no new company, for example, that's an initial question of like, okay, let me just check in with myself and see what experience I'm having. Some things that you can watch for is if you find yourself saying, I've already done that before, or that's not how we do it here, or you're feeling resentful of other people who are coming along because they're getting all this fun, exciting stuff to do. And you're like, I don't have anything new to do. You find yourself bored. You find yourself not motivated. You find yourself saying, I feel like there is something more. Those are all indicators that you are in mastery. I'm not talking about just domain expertise because you can be very good at something, but in a role, so chief strategy officer, you may be expert as a strategist, but I'm talking about from a leadership perspective of bringing everybody along the mountain if you have a management role. I'm talking about everything that's included, but those are all questions. Those are all signals for you that you're at the top of the curve. And if you don't do something about it, your plateau will become oppressive because you're bored. Your brain will find something to entertain you with, and it will probably be self-sabotage. Ah, why is that? Why self-sabotage? Because your brain is saying, I need something new to do. And you're not doing something new, probably because you're scared to do something new because the status quo, even though you don't like it, is actually kind of comfortable. So your brain says, you need to do something new, so I'm going to find something new for you to do. I have a hypothesis, by the way, Kaihan, in the United States anyway, and this is probably went up through the pandemic, and that is 10 to 15% of all people lose their job. And I've lost my job before and people will say, well, but it was politics. Well, politics just means that there's you know someone who's bigger than you are standing at the door. But I think the real issue is, is that we knew somewhere deep inside of us that it was time to do something new and we would not do it. And so the universe gave us a little bit of a nudge. Got it. Whether that's our subconscious or the universe or both or whatever it is, it's the intelligence that's telling us, get off that curve. You have to do something new. So then walk us through that next stage in the new S curve. Right. The signals at the early stage seem to be very similar to the signals that tell you you're doing the wrong new thing. This is not going to work. You know, you're not getting anywhere. How do you know that you are stepping onto the right new escrow, mm-hmm. that's a new job, or that's a new company, or a new project, or a new business, or whatever that is? Great question. So first of all, you're not always going to know early on. I'm grounded in disruption theory, and one of the things that we know from Clayton's work is that when you are playing where no one else is playing, you're doing something disruptive, your odds of success, they go up six times, but that's still 6% to 36%. So there's a 64% chance it's going to be the wrong curve 
Now that's products and we're extrapolating to people. But the point is, is that when you try something new, you're going to try a lot of things and it's not going to be the right S-curve for you. And the thing that we want to remember is that even if it's not, no S-curve was ever wasted because there's always things that we're going to learn. Even if it's the ability to do something new, because, oh, by the way, the older we get, the more experience we get, the more we can insulate ourselves from ever doing anything new. Mm-hmm. People are looking at us to keep doing what we do well, right? That's right. And it's comfortable. When you're a kid, like, oh, your parents say you're going to go here, you got to go there, and you've got to do it. But at your age, at my age, no one can really make me do much of anything, especially when you own your own business. And so that muscle of knowing how to do new things can get very flaccid. Yes, yes. There is not an authority around us to make us go do the new thing. So it becomes a discipline of, I'm going to do something new for the practice of doing something new. Now, your question of, do I know if it's the right S-curve or not? One of the things I talk about at the launch point is the explorer. That's the very first stage. Just so people can visualize this, what we're now doing is we're taking that S-curve, which looks like an adoption curve of a product. And you're talking about each of those inflection points. Explorer is the very beginning. And the collector is that moment where we're starting to move into the sweet spot. Yes, exactly. You made a really important point. So for everybody who's wondering and wants to contextualize, the big aha that I had when we were using the adoption curve at the Disruptive Innovation Fund with Clayton, looking how groups change, the aha for me was we could use this to look at how individuals change. And so that's why I call it the S-curve of learning, just to give people that context. Okay, so you're at the launch point of the curve. You're at the explorer phase. Maybe you were pushed here. Maybe you chose to be here, sort of stranded on the desert island of an S-curve. Now you have to ask yourself, you don't have to, but you can ask ask yourself these questions of, okay, do I want to get out of Dodge as quickly as possible? Or do I want to stay here a little bit longer? So you ask yourself questions like, is this in line with my identity? Not necessarily my identity today, but the identity of who I want to be. Is this in sync with my values? Is it in sync with my purpose? Is it familiar enough to be doable and novel enough to get me dopamine? So for example, I can decide that I want to go be a UFC fighter, which by the way is super novel, but it's probably not familiar enough for me in terms of who I know, my network, my experience. It's probably not a viable S-curve. Now, do you believe that you can believe that you will be successful on this curve? Do you believe that you could believe that you will be successful? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to believe right now. Yes, exactly. I don't have to believe that I can do it right now, but I have to believe that if I will do the work of reprogramming my mind, disrupting my mind, that I can get there. Because if I believe I can do it right now, then I probably already did it. But I need to push myself a little bit. So you ask yourself those questions. And if those questions come up, check, 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 yes, then you say to yourself, all right, I'm going to stay on this S-curve a little longer. I haven't committed to it yet, but I'm going to stay a little bit longer. Now I'm going to go to the collector phase. And the collector phase is you're getting feedback. It's like testing for product market fit. Does this make sense? Can I get the resources that I need? So I want to do this, but will the ecosystem give me the sunlight, the water, the nourishment that I need in order to be able to be successful, in order to accelerate into the sweet spot? So do I want to do it, but it becomes a product market fit. So you're collecting lots of data. Can I gain momentum? And do I want to gain momentum here? And if you are, then you tip into that knee of the curve and in the sweet spot where you're accelerating. And this is the place. So at the launch point, that's why I told you why it's hard to start. Once you get into the sweet spot on the adoption curve, you tip into that 15%. 
it's very easy to keep going. In fact, it might be hard to stop. And so that's why habits are so powerful. Bad habits, bad. Good habits, really, really good. Because now the momentum starts to take over. I just want to make sure that I'm getting this distinction right. So this first stop is the explorer. And that's kind of more about you, whether this is the right thing for you. And then the collector goes and looks around and kind of sees, is this the right time? So if there's product and market fit, then I guess the collector is kind of like sensing the market. Yes, I love that. I hadn't quite articulated it that way. So you just actually crystallize it. It's you and then it is the ecosystem, hospitable, product, market, accelerate. Great. Love it. If you don't mind briefly, we're coming up on the top of our time with you, but just so that people can kind of visualize the remaining steps within that. So we've got Explorer Collector, get you in the launch. Then you start stepping the sweet spot and there are two stages in the sweet spot. Yeah. Okay. I'll go through those quickly. So in the sweet spot phase, you have Accelerator and then you have Metamorph. And so Accelerator is that place where, as I said, it's fast. It feels fast. This is a place from a self-determination theory standpoint, you're feeling competent, autonomous, like I've got this. And you feel this relatedness to not only the people that you're doing the work with, but also to the work that you're doing. And then metamorph, what's happening is that you're going from doing this thing that's sort of out there, not a part of your identity, it's not who you are, to it starts to internalize and become who you are. So if you want to toggle back to the adoption curve, it's the late adopter, like this is now becoming who I am. I have metamorphosed into a person who versus a person who runs, I am now a runner. I love that metaphor. So now your identity is shifting. Your personal narrative is shifting. That's powerful. So now, then you get into mastery. And this has two very important stages. And one of them is often overlooked. This is the anchor phase. And the anchor is where you say, the identity shift is complete. This thing that I wanted to do is done. And you want to celebrate here. It's a very ephemeral time because you can't stay here for very long, but it's important to celebrate it, not only because when you focus on something, you get more of it. So you can say, I did this thing and it worked, but also just to honor the fact you did this really hard thing and it's become a part of who you are. So that's the anchor phase. But then you go to Mountaineer because what happens here is as we've talked about, now we're at the top and you have that sense of once you get to the top of the mountain, learning is the oxygen of human growth. And we know mountain climbers can only stay at the top of a really tall mountain for a long time. It's the same with people. And so you have to say to yourself, I'm at the top of the mountain. I need to keep climbing because it may be a summit, but not the summit, or I need to find a new mountain to climb. And then the cycle starts all over again. And the ability to navigate all of the phases of that cycle, the launch point, the sweet spot and mastery is what actually makes a peak performer. There's so many questions I want to ask you, but I know we're reaching the top of the time. The question I want to ask you, I don't know that I've read in the book, so I don't know if there's an answer that you have here, but it surprises me is you know, hear these stories of, if we apply this to an entrepreneurial venture, which I know we're kind of applying to your career, you know, like Google tried to sell itself to Yahoo when it was at an early stage, right? Or sometimes an entrepreneur will turn down lots of money because they think that there's still more. So there must also be the risk of you think you're at the mastery phase, you think you're at the mountaineer phase, and it's time to look for something new, but actually you're just beginning. It's a bigger mountain. That absolutely can happen. And yeah, I mean, you can have these experiences where you get to the top and you think, I'm done. I remember I had this experience a few years ago of like speaking. I thought, oh, I've gotten to the pinnacle of my speaking. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, I have so much work to do still. It was a summit, but all of a sudden I could see just how much more I needed to do. So I think you're asking slightly different questions, but from a personal standpoint, I would say that you're going to know, you know, because if you get into mastery and you think, I really just can't do this anymore. 
then that's the top of the mountain and you find a new curve. If you get into some level of mastery and you're like, you know, I'm really good at what I'm doing. So speaking is a great example. I have gotten to a certain level of mastery, but I care so deeply about being able to communicate my message better and better and better that effectively what happens is that I'm continually pushing myself back into the sweet spot. So it has become a summit, not the summit. And so that's what I would say to everybody who's listening to this and saying, but I'm really good as a chief strategy officer. And I would say to you, fantastic. The way you stay good, the way you get better as a chief strategy officer, if you say to yourself, I love this enough that I want to find ways to continue to get better. And I'll do these little micro curves that will allow me to tweak and improve along the way. But this is my curve and I want to be on this curve. So I'm going to find ways just to get better at it. And so that would be actually, I think that's a good way for us to start to wrap this up. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Whitney, for writing this, for going deep, for applying it to a person and a team. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to say? You didn't ask this, but it's more of a summary. The idea here is that if you understand what this S-curve or this adoption curve, but for individuals it looks like, it gives you this map to think about the emotional arc of your growth. And when you know where you are, you increase your capacity to grow. And the more you grow, the more you can grow. And so you can use this for yourself. If you're willing to grow yourself, then you're going to be able to grow your people. And if you can grow your people, then you can grow your organization. Beautiful. Beautiful. Finally, how can people connect with you, follow you, learn more about this? What are the opportunities for people to connect with Smart Growth and you? If you want to email me, you can email me at wj at whitneyjohnson.com. I do answer all my emails, albeit slowly. You can listen to my podcast and Kai Han has been on my podcast. It's the Disrupt Yourself podcast. And then in terms of the book, you can buy it wherever books are sold. And I hope you love it. I've put my heart and soul into writing a book that will be meaningful for you. And so I do hope that you read it and find it useful. Well, I loved it. I'm sure that anyone who reads it will love it. And thank you for putting that work in for us. Thank you for having me today. Great seeing you again. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producers, Karina Reyes and Zach Ness, our editor, and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kaihan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of Outthinkers.